And all of God's people said, Amen. Yeah. Thank you, worship team. Some very good singing this morning. Uh, you know, you guys just might be in danger of becoming Baptocostals if you keep that up, which would be okay in my book, just so you know. And all of God's people said, get him out of here. No, amen. <laughs> I was thinking about Jay's prayer there a minute ago, How and it went along with the song, We're Broken, He's the Healer, and... Uh, some of us need that work of the Spirit in our lives, amen? And um, I see people who are hungry for it, and then I see sometimes, I'm just speaking because I'm your pastor, that uh, we can insulate ourselves in ways that keep us from getting healed because we try to protect. We're not sure we want to open some of those wounds up. You know what I mean? And uh, I have a very vivid illustration, but I won't use it because then you won't hear anything else I say for the rest of the morning. But uh, there's pain involved when we pop that thing open and, and let God's spirit and his blood cleanse it and heal us up. So this morning, um, we're doing our series, What About? And uh, let me see if I can get my stuff together here. Mm, so far, I'm not looking too good. Uh, there, am I? I will not preach unless I have a screen. There it is. Okay, we're good. What about? Thank you, brother uh, or sister. Who, sorry, sorry, Kathy. Look at all. Everybody's doing this. It's her. It's her. Okay, that means the trouble's yours too, though. Don't forget that. No, then it's mine. Okay, for those of you who are visiting, you're saying, "What kind of a place have I just come to?" We've been doing a series of uh, question and answers. I had some really great, great, great questions. Waskily Wabbit. Somebody sent me uh, a whole bunch. I could preach for like four months on this one sheet, but I'm going to pick one. How can we learn to care more about the faith community and relevant issues like caring about hurting humanity around us? And by the way, our opportunities for caring about hurting humanity are multiplying, are they not, in, in the culture in which we live? They really are. So thinking about that, how do we care more about the faith community and relevant issues? The way we do that is we have to deal with our own spirit. As Christians, we have to deal with us where we're stuck or blind or protecting ourselves or what have you. So kind of a fun thing happened as I threw out this um, question uh, one of our one of our uh, young people. He's not young that young anymore, but um, he's one of our up and coming uh, fine gentlemen in the church. Um, I won't mention any names, Mike Hopper, but um, no, he's not. I have been a card carrying. AARP for a long time because they start sending this stuff when you're 50, which is a kid, in my opinion, at this point. A kid. Oh, I'm going somewhere. Fasten your seatbelt. 
This last week, we got a Rainer newsletter. You know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm echoing a little bit. We got a Rainer newsletter. Five things I pray I will not do as a senior adult in the church. All the senior adults are like, oh, we are going to talk to you later. Don't worry, I'm an equal opportunity abuser. I'm going to deal with everybody. But let me just read this, because it kind of sets the tone and why I got the question I got from Mike Hopper. I received my first AARP material in the mail six years ago. The kid. I turned 61 years old two days ago. The kid. One of my sons says I'm fossilized. How? I'm a senior adult. I have noticed, have I noticed any differences in my life at this age? Certainly, I move more slowly. My idea of a mini marathon is running to the kitchen from the family room. I see things differently. I don't know if I'm wiser, but I certainly have different perspectives. And I have to admit, I view church life differently. In fact, I sometimes scare myself with my rigid attitude. I need to write these words quickly, lest I become too comfortable and too complacent. I have five specific prayers. They are for me. They are for my attitude about my church. They are reminders I will need to review constantly. So this may not apply to anyone else in the room, but it applies to Mr. Rayner, who's a kid who thinks he's a senior. One, I will pray, I, I pray I will not feel entitled because I'm a key financial supporter in my church. Two, I pray I will not say, I've done my time in the church. Ooh. Three, I pray I will not be more enthused about recreational trips than ministry and service. Three, I pray I will not be more concerned about my preferences than serving others. And five, I will pray, I pray that I will not have a critical spirit. You're not a senior. You can't say that. Now that I am a senior adult in my own church. What, what happened? We had a think. My office is available for counseling. You just call, call my secretary. Jody, would you just wave so everybody knows? Now that I am a senior adult in my own right, I need to make certain I am not a stumbling block or a hindrance to health and growth in my church. I pray my attitude will be like Caleb. Here I am today, Caleb said, 85 years old. Now give me the hill country the Lord promised me on that day. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord promised. It's an Old Testament story. You ought to look it up, Joshua 14. May the Lord grant me wisdom and service all the days of my life, including my senior years. And all of God's people said. Really? What I'm talking about today is, what about, come on, this is weird. This thing is not working. Here we go. <sighs> Today's question, what about the gospel and graying? I can say this because I'm gray. I had a friend of mine that was in ministry from his 40s. He was shockingly bright gray. I, I nicknamed him the Ancient of Days. He didn't like that because... Uh, you know, it really belongs to God, the ancient of days. But nevertheless, it is something that's talked about, the demographics. Let's face it, the church, the body of Christ, 
has a number of demographics. We have different ethnic groups. We have different strata in terms of economics and how people live. And we have different ages. God's intention was that people from all kinds of backgrounds, different economic stratas, different ethnicities, and different age groups were to live together as a family. Not a club. Not a WWF ring. A family. So we're going to look at some of that if we could today about the issue of gospel and maturation. There's studies being done all the time about our demographics as a culture. You know, the graying of America. Uh, We live longer now, which means we have to deal with more aches and pains. More More than multiple times do I hear this comment from my own family, myself occasionally, and other people. Getting older is not for wimps. All the older saints said, boy, you're really mad at me already, aren't you? They're getting ready to leave. So, the gospel and maturation. Great opportunity for me to meddle and to exhort. Here's the question that, now I probably just ruined your future, didn't I, by telling you who you were? Well, I don't care. Anyway, I submit this for consideration in the Q&A series because he read this article. He said, so my question is, with the baby boomer generation, that's me. How many baby boomers we got here? We got a bunch of baby boomers. Aging into the senior demographic, in what ways can they remain active in ministry and moving us to an outward focus while at the same time being open to the ideas and preferences of younger members? It's a pretty good question. So I don't know if I'm going to totally be able to answer that, but I'll try. Okay? And uh, who knows? Maybe it'll provoke some more questions in the future, and I think we'll have a little fun with it. Look at the presidential race today. Oh, no, let's not. Let's not look at that. Um, but think about it. I think about this a lot. When they, uh, Mr. Obama uh, appointed somebody in charge of our treasury and all of these different people, I notice their ages. Now that I'm up there, you know, I'm past the formal retirement age. Here I am. And you guys are an equal opportunity employer. Thank you very much. You hired an old guy. But I look at their ages because we tend to think like, oh, there's this drop-dead zone here where you stop working. That's not necessarily true. We're looking at people in their 69, 70 years to take on a major task in leading the nation at one of, I would consider, a kind of a vulnerable, dangerous time. So that's pretty cool, I think. And we do tend to look toward wiser people with experiences as our champions, right? Who would not trust this leader if we could only elect him? (laughs) Dude, Gandalf, for 600 years of man's years, I have lived. I just watched that recently. I didn't quote it very good, but you get the idea. He's a wizard. He's been around a long time. And, uh, you know, he's the good guy. You see Gandalf whenever you say, Gandalf, Gandalf. You know, I get sick of hearing those hobbits. But anyway... He's the hero. He's the one we need leadership from. He's the one we look to for, for help. He's an example. And so it's certainly ripe time for a major task. But I'm talking now about the community of faith. 
about the group of people who've been called out of the world to be born again, to trust Jesus Christ, to have faith poured into their souls, to have the Spirit living in them so that they form a community that can honor Him and live together as a family, as we've already mentioned. What about in that context? And so if you have your bulletin, I've got a fill-in sheet here, and here's what I've, uh, I'm, I'm going to share with you. Three things to learn. This is for all of you. I don't know where I should put the age cutoff. Where should I put the age cutoff? I mean, AARP says 50. It's like, nah, that's, that's too young. But let's say it's 50 or 60. Everyone below that, you're the young people, all right? Things that we can learn. And then for those of us who are up there, I want to be like Mr. Raynor. Three things that I want to embrace, okay? So we're just going to talk about these and uh, maybe have a little fun with them. And the first thing is three things that we can learn from people like Gandalf and, uh, and others. First thing is the principle, and you've got three R's there. The first one is respect. And this is not about an Aretha Franklin song, okay? Respect. Here's what the scripture tells us. I'm having a hard time. I wonder if this battery's going down. You shall rise up before the gray-headed and honor the aged, and you shall revere the Lord your God. I am the Lord. Isn't that an interesting statement? Rise up before the old language was hoary-headed. That's me. Well, I'm waiting. No, I'm... Rise up before... In other words, that was a symbol of respect, of honor. I had the advantage of being raised old school. I used to ride on the public transit system, subways into the city, buses. I was drug upright. If a woman or an older person was standing up while we were riding, I got my butt out of the chair and offered them a seat. I still do it. We trained our kids to do the same thing. People are slack-jawed today when a young person shows that kind of courtesy. Where'd you come from? It's easy to win friends and influence people if we just take some of this seriously. So, rise up before the hoary-headed. Why? Because there's wisdom to be had. And just because God says so, there's something about that, right? Just because he says so. I get so weary of, quote, supposed Christians arguing all the time why they don't have to obey something. And I do. I get to a point where I start asking. I have done this in my office since I've been here in the last three years. Are you sure you're born again? Because why is it so hard for me to persuade you to do what's so clearly taught in the Scripture? Now, I'm not trying to make you all paranoid that you're going to be looking for anyone older than you so you can stand up. That's not what I'm talking about. But there's a principle here. I mentioned a few weeks back the film The Intern. not recommending it per se, but one of the fun things about that film is that this older retired brother, Robert De Niro, gets hired by an up-and-coming co- company, kind of like a, you know, an Amazon.com start, startup, startup type of thing. And uh, all these young bucks making all this money and yet don't have some of the skills that they desperately need interpersonally, socially. One of the classic move in the whole thing, the handkerchief, right? Got to have a handkerchief. You're a man, carry a handkerchief. Women are always crying. You got to give them a handkerchief. <laughs> and it works. And it, you go look, you look for yourself. I give you permission. You can 
you can clean it up in your own head. Anyway, first one is to respect. Because God says so. And um, my parents, some of yours, my mom, has seen so much incredible history in our day and age. She's old enough that horses brought milk to the house. Telephones were these little things with a circular thing you stuck your finger in and turned like this and went. Anybody remember that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now a phone is something you stick your face in so you can get hit by a car. It's not really for talking to people anymore. It's to kill yourself. Ask me how I feel about that. Okay, the next thing, two, is we can reap from those who are our seniors. Okay, we can reap. Learn from a great generation of builders. I said this a while back. You look around and you see the folks that are, they don't have to work anymore, but these are the builders, the ones who've been part of this church or many churches a long time. They're the ones who have paid the bills. They're the ones who have put the blood, sweat, and tears into things happening, who did ministry to support their pastors or whatever it was. That's how the church came to be and is still standing because of the great generation, if you will. Um, When I go to Lowe's, I, now, I remodeled a, a house up north, uh, my house. We did an addition, really. Added a kitchen. Really gorgeous. Whenever I went to, the, to Lowe's, which is where I got most of my stuff, I'm not advertising for Lowe's, I would go into the electrical department, and there were a lot of guys working there. I ignored most of them, and I'd find the guy with gray hair who used to be an electrician and now was doing this just for some extra cash. Why? He knew exactly what I needed, how to do it, and not blow myself up. That was the best part. I'd look for him because that's where the wisdom was. The basic habits of that previous generation could definitely be gleaned by the younger generation. I'll just tell you two things that stick in my craw, and it's probably because I'm old and I need to pray like Mr. Rayner about having a better attitude. But our, our perspective on worshiping together is a pretty low standard. The older generation, man, you didn't miss worship and teaching unless you were providentially hindered. Your perspective on giving was the same thing. That's how the kingdom was invested in America. And um, I'm just going to stop there for now on that. There's principles to be reaped. Here's the way the scripture puts it in Hebrews. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the result of their contact, uh, conduct and imitate their faith. We want to learn good things from people who've done it. Can I just be blunt? Um, we're handing out, uh, we're using a book and some mentoring around here called um, Emotionally Healthy Christianity. If you quit whining. I've got somebody who's reading it whining over here. But anyway, because it's like in-your-face confrontational. It faces the hard, cold reality that in every family system, the system that I grew up in, I learned both good and beneficial things, and I've also learned some not-so-good things. Anybody know what I mean? 
My family bondages as well as my family blessings have been passed on to me. And boy, is it freaky when I see it in the next generation, my own kids. Oh, I don't believe that. Well, I better believe it because the Bible said that was going to happen, and there it is. Let me just be clear. There are things you don't want to learn. So there are behaviors that sometimes your forebears have manifested that you have to look and say, as a follower of Jesus, I want to set that aside. I appreciate, however, all the good benefits that I, in, I can be entrusted with. So learn the good and not the bad. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about because this kind of torques my shorts, to be honest. What's the matter? Pastor's not supposed to talk like that? Welcome to the real world. So anyway... Anybody see the movie Cinderella Man? It's, it's older now. It's about a fighter. It's a true story. During the Depression, this fighter is up and coming. He's got a son that goes out and steals from a local, I think it was the butcher shop or the, one of them. And his father catches him. And he does one of these. Takes his son back to the butcher shop. They, pay, they give the item back or whatever it was, and he makes it right and teaches this kid a eternal principle these people are on the edge of starving and he refuses to steal he refuses to let his son steal and I encounter arguments with Christians when young people have done something wrong as to what is the appropriate action to take and they're fighting over it and they get mad because their children, is going to, children or child is going to get in trouble. Well, what I'm teaching my children is authority can go get lost. I'm teaching an eternal principle, and it's the wrong one. So there are things I can learn from my forebears that are to my benefit if they're doing the right thing. Respect, reap the good lessons that you can learn, and learn from our forebears who have helped build the kingdom and the church and have the right spirit toward basic discipleship as followers of Jesus. Third thing, respond. I can respond. This is where New Testament family dynamics come to play. Boy, do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, to older women as mothers, and to younger women as sisters in all purity. We're in this together as a family, and it's supposed to function like a family. There are times I need to be corrected, and if I do, then I need to be approached respectfully and confronted. Not yelled at, not dressed down, not told what an idiot I am, although I may be occasionally. I don't want you to tell me. Anyway, but it's appropriate for me to be questioned and by the way, I highly recommend um, The Ministry of Admonition by John Ortberg. It's on audio. Because he just talks about how normal Christian, normal family dynamics, this should be part of our dynamic. Bill, I've noticed something. You've been doing something. Can I ask you about it? Go ahead. Yeah, I'm not really going to do that in front of everybody right now. But the point is, my, my point is, if there's... I'm using you as an illustration. <laughs> so, 
can I talk to you about this problem? And he says, sure, go ahead. And I say, I've noticed this or I've noticed this. Now it's up to him whether he wants to receive correction or not. I know you're coming to me in love. And that's the way it should be, according to this, being in a family together. Okay, I just used you because I thought you were safe, but then you wanted me to do that public counseling. <laughs> I get it. What? Okay, you go to Bill and he says, yeah. Now what happens when you go to somebody and they get defensive and arguing and angry and walk away? You should tackle them, pin them to the <laughs> ground. No, I, I mean, I, you know, this is, this is something that we all struggle with, okay? I mean, a perfect situation would be they're open to discussing it. But. Christy, what's the Bible say? Go get another person. Oh. No, you don't. It depends. That, that, un, that unpacks some further dynamics, okay? But it's not my responsibility. This is why I'm walking in so much peace and joy, actually. It's not my responsibility to change your mind. I can't do it. It's my job to tell you the truth, and it's the Holy Spirit's job to help you change. It's up to you to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, and that lack of that is why we're so often in trouble and why we're stunted. By the way, the principle of the book, um, Emotionally Healthy uh, Christianity, is that many of us are stuck in our 20s and 30s spiritually or maybe our adolescence spiritually because we've not dealt with some of the wounds and brokenness that are in our lives. And he won't leave you alone. And we see it sometimes, the, the fruit of it in our own children, in the way they, they have learned to do either the wrong thing or they, they've learned to hold grudges like you do or they've learned to rebel like you do or whatever it is. Okay? So I'm being ruthless today, am I not? I know. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Three things we've already mentioned. Respect for those who have gone before reaping from their wisdom, and third, responding to one another like a family, family dynamics. I know how I want my mother dealt with, and that's how every senior saint in the church would like to be dealt with, right? Not mistreated in any way or disrespected or the rolling eyes and what an idiot they are and everything else because they're not. So enough said on that. Let's move on to us who are older Three things for the mature to embrace. And by the way, this will be a little study in Moses' life. I really love this. You know, remember that great spiritual leader, Yoda? Mm, size matters not. Judge me by my size, will you? Yeah. Of course not. And same thing is true with age, really, if you're honest about it. Age doesn't matter. Look at this verse. Oh, my goodness. Whoops. Moses was 80 years old. Aaron was 83. They probably didn't have an AARP card, Bill. Okay. 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. Now, I hate to say this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a little transparent and admit that I was naughty. Can I do that? Oh, yeah, you're all saying you've been beating us up enough, so, yeah, let, give us some dirt on you so we can abuse you, right? You know that when I came down here, some of my attitude was screaming and kicking, right? 
And one of the things is, from my chair, I was kind of, I'm, I'll be blunt. I, I was kind of tired from the past, before I ever came to Harmony, uh, to Harmony, from my past of dealing with what brought up your question. You know, don't want to listen, don't want to listen, you get mad, get reamed out, you try to speak the truth, you, you pay the penalty. I got tired of it. I'd rather retire. I've been trying to argue with God for a couple of years now why I'm right and he's not. It's time for me to retire. And one of the stories I really hate is this one. <laughs> God says, 80 years old, he's just getting started. Yikes. You're on that same track. You know how the story went? Anybody know how the story went? Moses had a vision about being used by God to deliver the people of God. Did you know that? He got that early on when he was still living in the palace of Pharaoh. And one day he's out watching the slaves that were Hebrews, his family by roots, being abused by his adopted family, an Egyptian who is beating a Hebrew slave unjustly. Without a doubt, what was going on was cruel. He looked this way, he looked that way, and then he pulled a Vin Diesel, and he took the guy out, buried him in the sand. But people found out about it, and so he ran for his life because he was now a wanted man. He had something going on in his mind that he knew God wanted to use him, but it wasn't going to be till 40 years later that he would get it right. 40 years old, he blows it. At 80, he rises to the occasion. He and Aaron do a phenomenal, historically transformative work in taking the children of Israel out of bondage and establishing the covenant people. Isn't that amazing? And no, that doesn't mean I'm signing a contract till I'm 80. I'm not going to do that. But I wonder how many of us have already cashed in our chips. And maybe it wasn't what God had in mind. Now, can I be real honest about this? You have to be realistic. There are limitations. Mr. Rayner talks about a marathon going from his family room to his kitchen, like that's a big deal. And I am feeling my age in some ways, and all of us do. So when there are limitations, you need to face those honestly. I've had to speak to some of our brothers and sisters about doing way too much. Boy, you're real quiet. I like this. Way too much. You have to be realistic about what God's calling you to do. Sometimes we're taking on way more than we should. But I would say when we look at the church as a whole, not just here, but all across America, the vast majority, it's like Prieto's Law, right? 20% of the people doing the work, 80% not. We have cash in our trips way too early. And we just don't think, I don't have to do anything anymore. Which brings him back to Rainer's thing. I will not say I've done my time in the church. Ministry through the local church is not doing your time like serving a prison sentence. It's an outpouring of joy and thanksgiving to God. I love those churches where senior adults are most represented among the nursery workers, he says. And I need to be among them. So he's getting up there and he's thinking, 
I've already got plans in my mind what I'm going to be doing in my retirement, semi-retirement, full retirement, and I've thought about that as well. Where am I going to find a local assembly? What am I going to put my hand to? Because while I have life, there's always needs, and there's always ministry, and God's in the business of using us, even if it's only quarter time. And then there is a point where you say, I have to just, you know, and it's clear. So I'm just inviting us to think about that, to think about it, our availability for God. The man who mentored me as a brand-new Christian who I will ever be grateful for, he's with the Lord now. His name was Frank Frost. I think I've mentioned him. He was a lay preacher in his early days. He worked for Tropicana Orange Juice. Anybody ever hear of them? He used to be a salesman for them, manager. And uh, he had three kids he raised. They all went into full-time Christian work. He was ordained to the ministry at 72. I was there. I managed to get saved just in time. Or I'd have missed out. And you know what I used to do with him? You know how he mentored me? We didn't have a formal study. We didn't read Emotionally Healthy Christianity. It wasn't written yet. I used to go to his house. I'd grub lunch off him. I'm so embarrassed. But I used to do that all the time, and I would just sit with him and say, tell me the stories about what you saw the Holy Spirit do. Tell me that story about that guy that got saved. Tell me that story about how God used you in this. Just tell me, tell me, tell me. I would ask him to say the same stories over again. And I learned incredible amounts of wisdom from him and for myself started to look for the work of the Spirit. I want to see what he saw. And it fed me. Which brings me to the next thing, being teachable. First one is availability. The second one is teachability. Keep learning. Moses gets called to his full-time work at 80 years old. He's still learning even at that old age, if you dare put it that way. He started out by committing murder, trying to do the will of God. Later on in his wanderings with the people of Israel, he still blew things, and he still had to ask forgiveness. But here's one of the coolest sections. It tells us, Moses' father-in-law comes on the scene, high priest of Midian, one of the followers of Yahweh, and Moses says to him, hey, Moses, the thing you're doing is no good. Now, how do you like that? Here's Moses leading a million and a half people. A million and a half people are under, he's got the president's chair. And here comes his father-in-law, and he's watching him on a typical day, judging all the people who are lined up to talk to Moses. And he goes, you're making a big mistake here. <laughs> and Moses says, Shut up. No. Who do you think you are? I'm the CEO. You didn't do this. I did. No, no, no. Come on. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said. That's where he established co-leaders. It was a wisdom thing. And Moses, at 80 years old, and the victor, if you will, raised his staff. The waters parted. The whole thing. He says, okay, I'm listening. And he learns teachability continuing into his old age. Oh. I have a sister that I have sent ahead to heaven. It's one of the few funerals that I promised that I would do after I left the Binghamton area. So this last year, 
this dear sister, we call her Grandma Barb, went to be with Jesus. I got to tell you a little bit about Grandma Barb. I've used her as an illustration before because she was one of those tremendous saints who, even in her 60s and 70s, was still teaching Bible studies was still willing to, in, in the, her old days, she used to teach piano and she used to play for the church and all of that. You know, church music's a big deal. She was doing all of that. And then times changed and organs and pianos went by the wayside and all that shameful boogie-woogie music, you know, started coming into the church. And uh, kind of like what we did this morning. And... Uh, I love Grandma Barb. Here she was a classical pianist. She was trained in that kind of background, if I have it right. My wife's not here to correct me, so you can rebuke me later. I'm old, but I'll stay teachable. She used to say, when she saw people filling that church and worshiping God, I am just praising God that the young people are loving this and worshiping. It's not my favorite music. She would admit it. I don't like this. You know, some of us still like Gaithers and things like that. Sorry. You know what I mean? But that's not where we're living anymore. And she could get the big picture and not be hung up on her own stuff and say, they're worshiping God. I will rejoice also. Oh, what a blessing she was. And I used her as an illustration over and over and over again. I pray, Rainer said, that I will not be more concerned about my preferences than serving others. And he actually admits in his letter that he got angry about the music in the last week at church. And he went, oh man, what's happening to me? I pray that I will not have a critical spirit. Listen to this. I attended a business meeting of a large church some time ago. The total attendance at the meeting represented fewer than 5% of the worship attendance. One of the men who recognized me approached me before the meeting. We come together at these business meetings to keep the pastor straight, he told me. In reality, they came together to criticize the pastor and the staff. I pray I will not become a perpetual critic. And I don't want to grow old and cranky. I want to grow old and more sanctified. And all of God's people should be saying amen. And I found myself, as I've been growing, and this is which I, why I feel the liberty to say this. I'm a card carrier, remember? And I've earned it. I've got the miles. I've paid my dues. And I don't mean for this card, because I don't even pay for that anymore. I've got so many kudos coming my way. I don't want to get crotchety. And I find myself sometimes, and you know what? The Holy Spirit brings me up short, and I go, you're not walking in the spirit of Jesus here. You need to do something about that. I want to remain not only teachable, I need to see that it's time for transferability as well. It's time for a new generation. So what you're doing is not good, he says. Okay, I'll try something new, and he did, and it paid off. Here's the next verse. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit. Lay your hand on him, and you shall put some of your authority on him in order that all the congregation of the sons of Israel may obey him. So you know the next book is Joshua after Deuteronomy. It's the story, the continuing saga. 
But something had to change. Moses had to transfer authority to the next generation. Had to. By the way, the reason I mentioned that critical thing about the pastor is because Rainer wrote about it. But I know, even with all that we've been through, I'm still on the receiving end of stuff like that. Go talk to Jesus. Because there is some of that. I always hear about it. You have to let go. You have to transfer. Some of us are going to go to our reward soon. Yeah. I don't feel like it's all that far out for me. I've thought more about my mortality in the last 10 years than ever. And probably we'll do more about that in the days ahead. And what kind of um, service to God will I give in my, my uh, waning years, if you will? But there has to be a point where I let go and transfer the job to the next generation. And here's the tough part. They're going to do it different. It's not going to look the same as it did in the 50s and 60s. Now think about this. What did Moses do with the children of Israel? He took them out of bondage and they, and they wandered in the desert for how long? Why did they wander in the desert class? Yeah, you don't want to wander in the desert anymore, do you? I don't. So they wandered in the desert. During that time, how did they eat? Manna came down from heaven, right? Water out of the rock, manna from heaven. Dude, was that awesome? I'm reading this stuff, so I'm up on it right now. It's in my devotions. Now Joshua gets put in charge. Moses is allowed, remember, because he blew it. He was still learning. He still had a sin nature. He had a little hissy fit, and God said, you're not going into the promised land. I would have been bummed. I got to tell you, I'd have been bummed. Anyway, he did let him at least see it from a mountaintop. And now Joshua's going to take over, and it says in the Bible, the day they entered the land, guess what happened? The manna stopped. Now, can't you just hear those church saints following Joshua? Well, in my day, we never had to go pick fruit off of the enemy's land. We had manna from heaven. What's the matter with this Joshua guy? (laughs) Oh, yeah, that sounds real funny. But we do the same thing, right? We used to do hymn sings. We used to take out newspaper ads. We used to do evangelism door to door. Brothers and sisters, those days are gone. There are new ways. No shame. There's new ways to go about the kingdom business. New ways. I'll give you an example of where the church had real conflict. Anybody ever heard of Rick Warren? We talked about him this morning. The Purpose Driven Church, Camelback, Saddleback. God, I'm not, I knew a camelback, sorry. I know a horseback, camelback, anyway. Saddleback in California, Willow Creek in Chicago, Bill Hybels. Both of those men came under incredible attack by evangelical Christians. Oh, they're sinning. They're doing all this seeker-sensitive stuff. They're trying to 
invite all these seekers and dumbing down the gospel. You know what? I've interacted with those guys. Bill Hybels, personally, he hasn't watered down anything. I get convicted every time I'm around him. I hate him. I don't want to go near him. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Are you following me? Self-righteous, stuck-in-the-mud, critical Christians attacking brothers who are building the kingdom. And I always say to those people, when you lead as many people to Christ as he's responsible for leading to Christ, then you can talk to me. Otherwise, be quiet. Thousands of people came to faith through those men's ministries. Shut up. Shut up. I am preaching. I think I'm doing so, transferability. We want to be available, we want to be teachable, and we have to be open to transferring to the next generation. And let me just be honest, it's totally right to say, I want to transfer it to the right young people. Yay. Not people who want to coddle sin and don't have a vision of God and his holiness and don't have a loyalty to the scripture as the word of God. No, I don't care what they think. People have all kinds of great ideas. They just stink. They're not biblical. But if they're biblical, it's time to transfer and trust them, people with a heart for God. Here's where we have to stay out of trouble. There's a difference between what is biblically mandated and the manner in which we do them. Preaching the gospel is a mandate on the church. By the way, Harmony has not done a great job lately in general. So we don't have a right to be critical, period. But if you start preaching the gospel, it doesn't have to look like the old school. Look, I got saved listening to Billy Graham. That is not the primary way people are coming to faith today, by big consortiums like that. God can use it, but he tends to use other circumstances more actively. Smaller context, God's the way things are changing. So mandate is to preach the gospel. The manner is not clearly delineated every time in the scripture. So you have to stop dying on the wrong hill, if you know what I mean. The war versus wandering. In the days of Moses, it was wandering. In the days of Joshua, it was warfare. It was a totally different context. And that transfer had to happen. And everyone who followed him was blessed and gained victory. I'm getting up there myself. I have a hard time sometimes with the attitude of young people, the disrespect that I experience many times. I think we'd be wise to teach our children not to be that way. But even if that's so... I'm still called to be a representative of Jesus Christ, whether I've been disrespected or not. That's for me. <laughs> and that's an encouragement for us who are younger to honor those who have gone before us and have put their hands to good things. The other thing that I think about is as I grow older, and, um, and all of us are going to, if God wills it, if he allows us to live, unless some tragedy takes us out of here sooner, we're going to get older. Or if Jesus comes, which would be a great relief right about now, before the election would be wonderful. <laughs> hey. 
But apart from that, you're all going to become hoary-headed, all of us. And one of the warnings for all of us as those people who grow is that we, be, we remain soft in our spirit. Anybody ever read J. Oswald Chambers? You know, his, my utmost for his highest. Boy, do I hate that guy. <laughs> he always brings conviction somewhere along the line. And one of the things he says to us as saints is, self-pity, most assuredly, is the devil's open door. And that's one of the things we really have to be careful of. Nobody appreciates where I've been. Nobody appreciates what I've done. Nobody appreciates who I am. Nobody understands the labor I've done in the past. Nobody, nobody, wah. And I, I miss any one of us can be tempted. And as soon as we park there, we start atrophying. So even though I talked today about the gospel and graying, I have a feeling it was relevant even for young kids, like under 60, and for those of us who are mature, amazing saints. Above that, would you agree? And something to be applied. So let's stand together as we dismiss and worship the Lord and endeavor to be his followers. King Jesus, your father has been referred to as the ancient of days because you're eternal, which is a picture of your profound wisdom and your indestructible nature. And yet at the same time, you are eternally young. Some of the great writers of Christianity have admitted, we're the ones who grow old. You're the one that is eternally creative and life-breathing. Lord, would you pour some of that into us, whether we're young or old. Pour it into us so that life would continue to spill out from us, regardless of our economic, economic strata, regardless of our social or ethnic strata, or regardless of our age in you or our physical age. You can work profoundly in and through us. A few weeks back, I mentioned just how fragile the churches are, their circumstances in America. Lord, if we will learn to move on, if we will go with Joshua and transfer power wisely and spiritually, appropriately, God, there will be hope for the future of our churches. But if we don't, there will not be. And so, Father, I'm praying that your hope would flood in on us as we choose to obey and listen to you. Put your angels around your servants today, your people, as we go out into the world. It is a dangerous world. The more we read, the more fragile it appears, and so we don't take even the next breath and the next day and the next week for granted. We ask for your angels to accompany us and bring us back to worship you next week. We'll thank you in the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you and have a great afternoon and stay out of the heat.